Duke has to have an uncomfortable conversation. Duke needs to have a really honest conversation with Mike Elko, their head coach. They need to almost give him like uh, the the. Listen, if you tell us, we won't be mad. Like right, the the you can always the the parent telling the 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 child. You can always call us for a ride. No questions asked. You will not get in trouble. We care about your safety. You need to call Mike Elko in and give that kind, right? You need to to, to call Mike Elko and give that kind of Scott for like one conversation. Listen, if you tell us now, we won't be mad. If you tell us now, we can plan, we can look out for the program, but we can't deal with dishonesty. And then you need to ask him, are you seriously entertaining Texas A&M? And I'm not saying, like, are you seriously? Like, are you serious? I'm saying, is it a serious consideration? Are you mm-hmm. are you legitimately considering Texas A&M? Because I'll put it like this, Duke fans. Losing Mike Elko would be really painful. Big time. Losing Mike Elko and not being prepared for it would be absolutely devastating to another level. You can't, and by the way, I'm just the messenger here. These are facts. You can't compete with Texas A&M in certain things. There's there's no reasonable expectation in certain aspects of, of being a college football program that Duke can expect to compete with Texas A&M. Money, certain facilities, certain recruiting budgets, certain booster support. Mm-hmm. There's like, this is not, not something that's within your your – your range of possibilities. Just reality. So you need to check to see if those things that you can't compete in are the priorities for Mike Elko. Because in, in, in today's world, right, as ironclad as your contract might be, if there's a buyout, Texas A&M can afford to pay it. So you just need to know what it is. This will not be a fun conversation, but honesty is the most important thing right now. Call him in, coach. We're happy. We love what you've done the last two years. We want you to continue as our coach. But we don't want a charade. We don't want to to willingly duck our head in the sand while right under our nose you're entertaining somebody else. So just tell us, right? We're not saying you're going to take the job. We understand the the world is real, and you might want to uh, look in somewhere else, but just give us the decency of if you're looking in somewhere else that we would know what we have to be looking for too. Because I'll actually say this 100% about Mike Elko. I have no idea what he's going to do moving forward, okay? I don't don't think even he knows how he would react when Texas A&M puts a big old fat check in front of his face if they choose to do that. But I am fairly confident that he would still care about Duke and leaving Duke in as good of a place as possible on his way out. He has to be appreciative for what they've done for him the past two seasons. So I think he would look at him in the face and go, listen, I, I, I don't think I'm going to leave, but I'm listening. Or, yeah, I'm listening, and, and my agent really wants me to take it. I'm not sure. Or whatever the answer is, right? Whatever the answer is. And then Duke can plan accordingly because you don't want to give back everything Elko gave you. As of right now, Mike Elko on multiple sports books is the betting favorite to be the next coach of Texas A&M. 
in the states and on the, the markets where you're allowed to, to bet on such a thing. He is the betting favorite to be the next coach of Texas A&M. So Duke needs to gather all of the information they can. That's not to say they want him gone. They definitely don't. That's not to say that they uh, hope he's gone or, or anything along those lines. But it is to say not being prepared if he does leave, knowing everything we know, is foolish. And you don't want the the thing where, right, like, you know, a relationship is obviously deteriorating. A relationship is obviously on the way out. But you're both going to pretend like it doesn't, that coolness, that iciness doesn't exist. You're all going to pretend that when Mike Elko was talking to the media and he was asked about the Texas A&M job, he said no, even though he didn't. He said a lot of words that were complimentary of Duke. None of them were, I'm not taking the job if it's offered at Texas A&M. Dan Lanning did that at Oregon. Deion Sanders did that at Colorado. Mike Elko did not say, if they offer the job, I'm not taking it. He does, by the way, always sound a little annoyed, a little perturbed when the question is brought up. But there's one way to make the question never brought up again. Say, absolutely not, I'm not taking the job. Duke needs to call him into a room. And by the way, they might have done this, right? We, we, to be a fly on the wall, we will never know if, if this conversation took place because it should take place in a room with the door shut and not many people in there. Hey, Elko, love you. What's the deal? Keep us in mind. We won't uh, be, be personally hurt as long as you treat us with some kind of respect here. Because you have to understand, right? Everybody's got their own priorities. Right? I've seen people lose, leave jobs to move closer to home. Seen people, uh, meaning closer to like where they grew up or closer to where their extended family is. I've seen people leave jobs for money and, and on good terms, right? Their, their current boss or, or recently ex-boss looks at them and says, that's a big number. We, we can't match that. Shake their hand, say good luck to you. We wish you would stay around, but... You know, we're all human. You add two zeros on anything, and it's like, uh, yeah, I can't do that. Yeah, slide that decimal point over a little bit, <laughs> see what happens. It's That's one where you say, I'm happy for you. I'm bummed for us. Well, I can be two things at once, right? I, I can feel, feel positive and negative in, in different parts of my brain. I think that's fair. But you need to have the conversation. Ignoring it helps no one. And by the way, Mike Elko might look at you in the face and, and say, no shot am I taking that. Or he might say, listen, there are, the, the, their number that my agent is floating to me and it's not offered yet is this. If you can come within 30% of it, I would much rather stay here. Right? It's life-changing money. I would much rather stay here if the money was a little bit closer. And then you know, right? Just put your cards on the table. Be good to him. He'll be good to you. He strikes me as an honorable dude. But you need to have the conversation. Ignoring it helps no one. Absolutely no one. I look for lessons learned in one part of what we cover here and apply them to another part of, of what we cover here on The Drive. Uh, one of them is Bryce Young with the Panthers is a highly drafted quarterback that is facing his struggles in week one. So I like to look at that and say, all right, what can we take from the situation Bryce Young is in and apply it to Drake May, who's going to be a highly drafted quarterback, most likely hasn't announced he's coming out, but I expect him to, uh, 
apply there to help him or to to hope that he avoids some of the pitfalls that were put in front of Bryce Young. I keep hearing that the Panthers were the worst possible place for a young quarterback to land this year. Right? They uh, the offensive line wasn't good enough for a young quarterback. The the coaching staff isn't play calling in a way that helps. The wide receivers weren't ready to get open. Not nearly as much as the Texans, who were just about as they're actually worse last year with less big splashy free agent signings. Mm-hmm. But I digress. The Panthers were the bad team. Well, if you care about Drake May and you don't want to see him dealing with what Bryce Young is dealing with, where do you want him to go? The possibilities. I went and looked at the uh, the top 10 teams. Now, there's only nine teams listed here in the, the projected draft order because uh, one of them is Chicago twice. Uh, Chicago, the New York Giants, New England, Arizona, Green Bay, L.A., Tennessee, Atlanta, Washington. Which L.A.? Rams? Rams, yes. Those are the teams that, as of whenever I looked up this list a couple days ago, uh, were drafting in the top ten. You could argue they'd all consider a quarterback if the right one was available, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, Rams, maybe if they got a weird commitment from Stafford, like two more years, but I think they're counting the days until he uh, tips his cap, walks out, takes his Super Bowl ring, walks right into the Detroit Lions ring of honor. I wouldn't be surprised if he's done after the season. Uh Green Bay, maybe if Jordan Love goes on an absolute heater for the the rest of the season, maybe. Don't see that happening. Um, But other than that, I mean, if Will Levis really balls out for Tennessee, there's a couple maybes. But I think if if Drake May is available for any of these teams, they would strongly consider it. They'd at least watch all the film and talk to the coaches. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? So where do you want them to go? Chicago, the Giants, and New England? They've all failed to develop a first-round quarterback in the last five years. Mac Jones is in trouble. There are some reports that that he's not going to last much longer as a starter. Nope. Justin Fields is supposedly coming back off his thumb injury, but needless to say, he's ridden the roller coaster with mostly downs than ups. Uh, and, and, of course, what the Giants have done with Daniel Jones is not develop him but then still find a way to give him $42 million a year, which is a special degree of difficulty of not developing a quarterback. It, it is it, – I don't want to send a quarterback to any – like if you're Drake May, you don't want to go somewhere where they just proved they can't develop quarterbacks. But guess what? Those three teams are probably going to be drafted near the top. Arizona actually uh, – by the way, I failed to mention them. Arizona, depending on what happens with Kyler Murray, they might genuinely be a team that doesn't need a quarterback. They might genuinely be a team that says, you know what, Marvin Harrison Jr. and Kyler is better than uh, not having Marvin Harrison Jr. and having Caleb Williams, Drake May, whoever's there. Because if you take a quarterback, you have to move Kyler Murray, and he has a big, fat contract that a lot of teams might not be willing to take. The rest, like, the the point I want to make here is for everyone screaming that the Panthers weren't a good spot for a quarterback to land, the teams drafting anywhere near the top are not good spots for a quarterback to land. Part of it is you have to go to a place that's not good to land and turn it around. If you're Drake May and you recognize, hey, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm so awesome, right? This is this is uh, Drake May's internal monologue. You know who's awesome and has two thumbs? This guy. I'm so awesome. I'm gonna be drafted in the top three. Your next thought should be. I'm going to have to turn around a bad NFL franchise. 
I am going to have to turn around a bad NFL franchise. And if you look at the quarterbacks that have had that have had success as rookies, most of them went to teams that were absolute messes. Right? Oh, Joe Burrow, he went to such a good place to land. The Bengals were an absolute mess. They were the bungles for a reason. C.J. Stroud, the Texans were an absolute mess. Fourth coach in four seasons. I mean, we could go on and on, right? Tua Tungo-Vailoa, the, the Dolphins were a mess even after he showed up for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. Like, like there, there's a certain element of there's no perfect place for a quarterback to land. You, you know, it's it's HG. Did you ever watch uh, Love It or List It? Oh, yeah. Yeah, a little HGTV action. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know when they come in with the wish list? Yes. And then they give the the, the budget and – Quite often, the realtor looks at you and goes like, "All right, <laughs> no shot." <laughs> right? It's I would like you know a big back deck. I want a, at least three acres for the dogs. I want a, a luxurious man cave, a four car garage, a pool. I want his and hers, uh, everything. I want a walk in closet. I want twelve bedrooms. My budget is about one hundred and seventy five thousand dollars. And if we could be in downtown, that would be perfect. So what is the what does the realtor do? Right? The realtor, it's like clockwork, right? One of the the showings is gonna be a house that's one point four million dollars. And and they're gonna say, Well, we just wanted to show what's available out there if you wanted to get everything on your wish list. But it's it's a little above your budget, right? It's one point four million dollars. Like, oh no, can't do it. All right, well, I'll show you something that's within your budget, but you're gonna have to, you know, you'll be lucky to get a quarter of an acre. Uh, the man cave's gonna have to go. You, you're gonna have street parking, but reserved, right? You're, you're not gonna have granite countertops, but you will have an island, a lot of natural light, right? They, they start mm-hmm. doing the negotiation. If you're a quarterback and you're gonna go in the top of the draft, it's like, I want to go somewhere with a great offensive line. I want to go somewhere with with wide receivers, a number one that can make a play. I want a coach who's established. And what's the realtor going to do? Good play caller. The, 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 the realtor is going to go, oh, sure. I'll show you what we have in third-round pick, right? <laughs> yeah. well, I'll show you what we, what we have in a team that's traded away a bunch of firsts to put together a great – you know, we, we, we can show you what we have in the, the you know, first-round exits of the draft – or, sorry, first-round exits of the playoffs, right? The – the, the this playoff team might be looking for a quarterback in a couple years if you're willing to sit, and then they're like, oh, no, no, no. All right, then we're going to have to start crossing things off your wish list, right? Uh, we can give you the number two overall pick, but they're going to have a ratty offensive line that can't stop anybody. Their play caller is going to be someone that was fired uh, in another place two years ago and, and has worked his way back up. Uh, and, and your number one wide receiver is going to be a guy who's in his mid-30s. <laughs> That's what I can offer. Sounds you. familiar. That's what I can offer you in, in your uh, in in your price range of top of the draft. I feel like you're describing something. Well, I'm I just I'm spitballing here, completely, totally. To, you, the good news is they 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 feel like they've updated the running back room with a very high priced free agent. Oh, there it is. I just the, 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 right. That's like the the new bathroom, right? There's always one thing that's. Updated appliances. That's that's what Hayden Hurst right. and Miles Sanders are. Updated appliances. Still have a warranty on the dishwasher. It, it's it's like, oh, that's nice. Um, but you paid in full. It's all guaranteed. Uh, my, my That HGTV little uh, analogy went, went, went on for probably too long. Thank you for coming with us on that journey. But, but uh, Drake May is going to go into a tough situation. 
what you can hope for is there's two or three pillars that he can lean on, right? And that's what Frank Reich was supposed to be for Bryce Young, right? An experienced coach that has seen everything that was supposed to to give him the tricks of the trade. That's what Hayden Hurst was supposed to be, one of the the prized tight end free agents that was supposed to be a, a safety net. And quite frankly, that's what Adam Thielen was supposed to be. Adam Thielen's the only one that's lived up to their end of the bargain. Everything else was like, well, you know, maybe if we put a coat of paint on it, it'll it'll uh, it'll do for now until we we build up the funds to renovate. That's the other thing when you buy a house, you got big plans. Oh look, well at least there's a flat area off the left side. We could build the uh, an extension. We could, we could add an addition. Until it's you know five years later, you're selling the house and you're like, we never even never even thought about adding an addition. <laughs> it made do with what we had. Uh, that's just kind of what it is. So what team? What team would I choose for him? Uh, uh, that that are currently in the <laughs> running. I was going to say, I would choose for him. Uh, huh. I mean, I would choose from Pittsburgh. Yeah. But, yeah. Hey, there you go. Actually, I, that wouldn't be. They're as not long gonna, as Matt Canada is not They're not there. bad enough, but I, I, I would. They got some receivers there, and I love Mike Tomlin. Um, to be honest with you, I, I, gosh, it is not pretty. I'll go Green Bay. Okay. I think Christian Watson is good enough, and I think LaFleur knows genuine, generally what an offense is supposed to look like. Mm-hmm. There are some of those teams where I'm not 100% positive they do. He's got a decent running attack. If Out of the Green ones Bay. way at the top, I, I might lean Giants. Really? I think he has some of the physical abilities that Josh Allen brought to the table, meaning big, strong arm, all those things, and, and, and Dable knows what that is. Okay. But again, and I say this about Bryce Young and the Panthers, there's no really good options. You're picking the least bad options, and then depending on the guy you draft at the top to change the scenario, right, to fix it with their play, to help cover up some of the gaps. That's what it is. That's what it has to be. That's all it's ever going to be. If you're drafted at the top, you're not going to a nice little incubator where you can you can grow slowly. If you want to do that, get drafted in the seventh round like Brock Purdy. If you want to do that, get drafted in I think it was the fourth round like Dak Prescott. Yeah. Right? Those they walked into better better scenarios. Russell Wilson third round. Russell Wilson third round. Derek Carr with the Raiders was a second rounder. They had more support around them when they got to being starters early in their career. You're not going to have that at the top of the draft.